would like to introduce Mike today on the podcast. And he, is, he stands out as a remarkable life and performance coach, inspiring many with his impactful guidance. With a unique blend of experience and innovative methods, he has helped numerous individuals achieve their goals and enhance their well-being. Mike's approach is deeply empathetic, making him not just a coach, but also a trusted advisor. His influence extends beyond individual success stories, positively impacting the Kansas City community. As Mike continues to inspire and guide, he leaves an indelible mark on the lives he touches. Let's welcome Mike to the podcast today. So the first question that I'm going to ask you is what is your biggest dream or aspiration? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Since we, these are totally unrehearsed, right? Like we didn't have it. I didn't want the questions. I sort of wanted to shoot from the hip or shoot from the heart. Um, I think the biggest dream for me is to, for my children and grandchildren to live happy, healthy, and productive lives. And if they did that, then I feel like, you know, we did some things right. So that to me is probably premier. And then another dream of mine is to create a legacy with people that I have come in contact with to help make their lives better in some way, shape or form. Okay. So let me ask you something. Those are all your whys, like your why you do what you do. What is your dream for yourself? Oh, wow. My dream for myself. You know, I, I, that's a good question because I've had, I've been blessed with things that I've had. Right. So it's like, I don't really want, I don't long for a lot of crazy things, especially in a material way. Like I don't, through my coaching, I had tremendous experiences, had chances and opportunities to travel the world, uh, refereed at the highest level with, you know, the opportunity to uh, work NCAA championships. Uh, my coaching career is going well with uh, my health and life performance coaching. So I don't really long for a lot of things like that. I think what I really my my dream would be is to as long as i'm on the earth and as long as i'm here i want to be able to be productive healthy and have a strong mind more than anything else uh, that's sort of a dream of mine like i want to i'm dreaming about having the opportunity to be a contributor as opposed to a lot of materialistic or other things like that i guess i mean i answer that differently i think today than I would have 20 years ago, for sure. Yeah. So if you could define, like my mine is freedom. That is my one word, my one emotion that I want to feel, whether that be financially, whether that be just time, I want time freedom, financial freedom, all those things. If you could define one word of your dream life, what would that emotion be? Um, the word that comes to mind when you started to ask that question um, is peacefulness. Like, I really want to have peace in my life. Like I don't long for drama. Um, and I see a lot of drama in what I do, right? Like when you work with other folks that are struggling, you see a lot of drama. And, and I know that when there is drama, there's, there's a lot of other byproducts of that drama. And for me, having peace in my life means more than just saying it. It's like, that's truly what I want. I want to be able to I know there's always going to be peaks and valleys and there's going to be ups and downs and everything that you do. But in general, you know, that's sort of like that defining the difference between being happy and being joy filled. Right. Like it's one thing to, to wish for happiness, 
But to me, I don't really wish for happiness. I wish for a joy-filled, peaceful life. That's what I want. Right. Peace. I like it. Yep. That's definitely a good one. And I think too, I mean, the people that are coming in contact with any coach, right? They, they are, they don't even realize yet, most likely that they are the ones that are creating their life. So if their life is full of drama, then they don't even realize yet that they're the ones that keep creating it, keep being on that hamster wheel. And you have to help them, right? Be able to get off of that, whether it be through fitness or nutrition or just mindfulness. And we talk a lot about habits, you and I. So it's, I mean, there's so many different ways to get them off of that loop and get them out of that drama filled, you know, environment. Yeah. And, and, you know, we could get into the weeds with this for sure. Uh, get into resonance and what you put out, you tend to draw back. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of science behind it. It's not just, when you look at a term called um, quantum entanglement, for example, and I don't know how much, you know, our viewers are going to know about what I'm talking about, but at the, at the very smallest molecular level, there's science that demonstrates how you can take two electrons and move them separate and they will have reactions upon each other, regardless of the distance they are. If one is, is affected, the other is affected, and then they can affect each other. So if it can happen at that level, uh, and we are all made up of electrons, protons, neutrons, etc., we are that. Like, how could you think that what you don't put out, you don't attract? So in, even from a science perspective, that to me is really important. And you're absolutely right, Tricia. Like, what you put out into the world, you receive back. And so if you are receiving and dealing with a lot of drama, you're going to be putting that out and vice versa. So if you want to attract good things, then you've got to, you've got to be that person that's putting out good stuff too. Absolutely. And that's why I always talk about the expanded golden rule. So any of your thoughts, your feelings, and what you say about people, and even what you think about people, right, is your reflection, your vibration out into the world. So if you can put out positive things about them, you're going to receive that positivity back. It just, it is, it's a law of attraction. It is. I mean, and you're, what do you call it? Quantum entanglement. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the science version. Yeah. And, and I, again, you know, you don't even have to look at it from that perspective. It's whether you call it um, any term that you want to make it up to be, it is still a matter of, like you say, treat others as you would like them to treat you. And so, I mean, you could make it as simple as you want or make it as complicated as you want. But in the big picture of things, <clears throat> by being a person that is trying to do the right thing, live the right life, you're going to receive those benefits and, and blessings as well, for sure. 100%. 100%. All right. Next question. What makes you feel grateful and full of joy today? Oh, man. You know, again, I think knowing that I don't have a whole lot to prove, you know, anymore. It's like, I've sort of been there, done that. And just knowing that I can share, like, don't get caught up in the weeds too much with stuff, just really living in the moment, being mindful. Uh, that makes me feel good. And I hope that I can help other people feel that, like, enjoy the bad moments as well. You know, like, and because if you're, if you're really in it, like, and understand things like it serves its purpose, regardless of how bad it might be in the moment to make us either stronger or understand the importance of, you know, our reflection and the big picture. So I, um, I spend a lot of time with that. Now I think that makes me happy to understand 
and to, to realize that you don't always have to be in a wanting spirit. Like if you're always wanting and you ask about the grateful side, to me, wanting and desiring oftentimes really comes in conflict with being grateful. And I don't think that you can ever receive if you're not in a moment of being grateful. So once you sort of like flip the script and understand how important it is to be grateful and to appreciate what you have, then there's opportunity for growth. But if you're constantly thinking that you're you're not satisfied in the point that you're at, you're not being grateful, then there really doesn't allow for any expansion. So for me, that's that's sort of where I'm at with that whole idea of being great. Absolutely. And you're not, I mean, it sounds to me like you're just not operating out of that ego anymore. Like your ego isn't needing to be fed. Yeah. You know, and back in the day when I was coaching, it's like, honest to God, I would be sitting as a coach at the state wrestling championships and we've already got the tournament maybe locked up. Like we are going to be state champions for the year. And I couldn't even enjoy it. I couldn't be in the moment. I'm already thinking about, what is next year look like? Like, how do we live up to the expectations? We're going to be losing three of these guys on the team through graduation or whatever it might be. And so it took a lot of, of readjusting for me to understand that that's not the way to live a life. I mean, it's like you can't even smell the roses. You're constantly mm -hmm. looking at what's next on the page. And so I worked real hard on that. You know, as I became, you know, I left the, the coaching, so to speak, of high school athletes or college athletes or even our inter international athletes. And I started to getting into my own coaching of adults with, you know, health and life performance. I, I started to put my energies into a lot of those in my own life, like understanding what gratefulness really was. And, and I have to be honest, I wasn't very good at it. So it didn't, it didn't come natural for me not to seek the next part of the, process, like always looking ahead and, and not really being in the moment and defining what's important. Um, and, and doing that too, the, the problem is, is that it's hard to prioritize because you're, you're always thinking ahead whenever you're in one part of your life, you're thinking ahead about something else. And so it, it sort of is a distraction. It tears apart in my mind, the fiber of gratefulness tears apart mindfulness, it tears apart everything when you're constantly looking for what's next. Now, that doesn't mean in any way, shape or form that I still don't have goals. There's still a lot of things that I, I want to accomplish, but it is not at the expense of living where I'm at in the moment either. So there's a big difference. Right. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, it even goes back to the wanting, right? If you are always in that state of wanting and feeling like you don't have something or the state of lack, the odds of you pulling in something positive are not good. <laughs> you know, you, you, it definitely, you've read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yep. Yes. Amazing book. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, the reflection on that, I was just trying to pull up some thoughts in that. One of the things, like you say, you operate from a perspective of need or you operate from a, a, a expectation of wanting and uh, it's not going to work. It's like you're sending out the wrong vibrations. You're sending out. It's like if, if you want to really fail at getting a date, you know, I can even remember back in the day when I was still in the dating game. It's like, just go ahead and be needy and see how well that works for you. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. it, it's going to backfire. It's like, nobody wants to be around somebody that's needy and they can sense that in a heartbeat. 
So yeah. I think there's some correlation there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. The vibration you're putting out is exactly what you're going to get back. Yep, for sure. Yes. All right. Next question. What are the most significant lessons you've learned throughout your life and how have they shaped you as a person? Wow. Um, God, I can think of so many lessons and to try to prioritize them, it's going to be tough. Uh, let me start with one of seizing opportunities. Like, I think that's really, really important. When opportunities present themselves, you have to be in a place and ready to accept them. And when you do, then there's that level of commitment that's involved too, right? So um, let me just start with this, a little story. You know, it's like um, the only reason I really entered into wrestling is because I was sort of torn. I can remember when I was a freshman in high school, I'd played a little bit of middle school basketball. So I was decent at that because I spent a lot of time at it. I used to shoot goals out in my driveway all the time. And uh, so I, I, I got pretty decent. I could play a little bit of point guard. So I was planning on playing basketball or wrestling. And of course, they're at the same time. And I can remember I went actually to the basketball meeting. You know, after school, we stayed around. The coaches met with the basketball team. The wrestlers met with the wrestling coach. And, and so we had these little meetings and talked about physicals, when practices started, all that kind of stuff. Well, I chose to go to the basketball meeting in, instead of the, the wrestling meeting. And I can remember literally walking out of that meeting and they were the doors for the two meetings were like right next to each other. And the first person that I see when I walked out was the wrestling coach. And he said, I noticed that you weren't, he didn't say anything about me being at the basketball meeting. He just said, Hey, I, I noticed that you weren't at the wrestling meeting. And I said, yeah, no, I, I wasn't coach. And he said, well, I'll see you at practice on Monday and I'll get you your forms in. And I was like, I went home and on the way home, uh, you know, my dad, I wasn't old enough to drive yet. It was my freshman year. And he asked me, he said, so did you go to the meeting? And I said, yeah, I went to the meeting. He goes, so how did it all go? And I said, it was great. And he said, so when do you start practice? I said, Monday, I got to get my physical and all that. Oh, by the way, I'm going to wrestle. And he said, what? I thought you went to the basketball meeting. And it's like, there was something inside of me that said, here's an opportunity. I need to seize this because this guy went out of his way to find me to say I would be a valuable member of that team. I needed to take advantage of the opportunity. And so that was sort of the start of that. And so whenever I see opportunities, I've always sort of had that instinctive idea about take advantage of it. Sometimes I've been wrong. You know, you're not always right, but more often I've been right than I've been wrong. And whether it's a career change, uh, personal life decisions, um, looking at opportunities, taking advantage of those, et cetera. And um, to sort of take that a step further, I, you know, in my own practice now working with folks um, in life performance, especially, I look at things from what I refer to as an AOC idea, an AOC. And that means A is an awareness. So like, what is the awareness? Where, where do you see things coming from? Like, where do I fit into this? 
And then the second thing is ownership is the O. The AOC is O. And O means like you've got to take advantage. Nobody's going to force me to go to that practice that first Monday, right? Like that's ownership, owning it, taking taking it personal. And I look at that with a lot of people. A lot of people, they're not only unaware, but they don't take ownership in anything. Like, you know, defer it off to somebody else, whether it's their health, their fitness, their nutrition, they defer it off to somebody else. Like, I always joke about this, but you can go to Costco and, you know, if, if they put shit on a cracker, people would eat it, you know, and I, pardon my language, <laughs> but, you know, and it, because they don't take ownership of that. It's like somebody else has given that to them and it's free. So why not? So that to me is problematic. But for me, I, I believe big in taking ownership. And if there's a problem, it's on me. It's not somebody else's. And I have to take, take full control of that. So that's my ownership. And then the third level, like I mentioned, is the C, is the commitment. It's like, how much are you going to invest in it? And so uh, from my experiences in the past, it's been about those things. It's been about having an awareness. It's about the ownership and the level of commitment that I'm willing to invest in it. And there's a lot of things that, you know, my life's sort of been, that's how it's been put together over the course of the last many, many moons and years. So I don't know if that totally answered your question, but. Absolutely. Yeah. AOC. A-O-C. Yep. That, that's how, awareness. Yep. Hmm? Ownership. And then ownership and commitment. That's it. And you, and you really okay. look at things, honestly, Trisha, that I think that is life. I think that if, and you don't have to own everything. There's some things out there that you don't want to own. I don't want to own everybody else's problems, right? Like I don't own those. So it's somebody else's problems to deal with. Now, if they incorporate me to try to help them, then that's another thing. If I'm willing to assess the situation and own it, then then I can help them. But until people recognize, first of all, I think, again, that big awareness cloud that is out there. People, I think, sometimes just walk around. It's like we're doing the biometrics, you know, with the Consiglio Wellness Center. And we go in and a lot of people don't have any idea of what their numbers are or what they represent. There's no awareness. And so they can't own it. If you don't, if you're not aware, you can't own it. So it's sort of like that whole thing. And then if you really want to get into the granular part about who I am, it's about commitment. It's a, it's about, you know, rolling up your sleeves and I think that's where I've been so blessed to come from a background of wrestling because, you know, I've, I've heard so many people now that have been asked those questions because virtue of, of having video and stuff in today's world. And there's a lot of niche marketing with certain sports and whatever that we can really dial in and hone in on wrestling in the past. You know, it wasn't that visible. We had idols like Dan Gable and a few others, but that was about it in today's world. If you want to get into the weeds with wrestling, you can. You can get into the weeds about everything. So you hear a lot of people now that, you know, who have had experience with wrestling and they will flat tell you that how much it changed their life and it changed their world because the level of commitment that is necessary to compete. And you can't, you even no matter how old you are, if you were in the sport at some level, even as a parent, that the level of commitment to help your son or your daughter to put on their shoes every day and go into that practice room, be humiliated, come home with black eyes and, you know, bruises that last an entire season, it's, it's pretty tough. And so I was really, really blessed to have that as a part of my life that now 
I can use that experience to help people through those tough times. And that, that to me has been a big advantage, I think. Absolutely. Did you ever play basketball much after starting wrestling? You know, it's interesting. Um, I did, I didn't play, you know, in a, in a formal way, but that was sort of a big stress reliever for me. Uh, even when I was competing as a, in high school, uh, even college for that matter, I would love to go into the gym and just shoot hoops, you know, and, and I would, I had this game in my head. I, I actually had imaginary defenders and, you know, play, play a game. And uh, some, sometimes I would play right hand against left hand and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that whole thing, you'd have to shoot every other shot with the left hand versus the right hand. So to me, it was just one of those things that it was a way to kind of knock off the edge of, a stressful day, but also, you know, it's very physical in nature and I'm a bit of a kinesthetic person anyway. So that, that was really cool for me. And yeah, um, if I, if I had more time, I'd probably still do it. It's just like, there's other things that have sort of taken over that with biking and some other fun things. So awesome. Yeah, I still, I, I still, I enjoyed it a long time after I made a commitment to wrestling. Yeah. Love it. All right. Next question. What inspires you and motivates you to keep going even when faced with challenges? What motivates me to keep going? Um, wow. Some of it's reflection, like I said, about, you know, being in the past, but I, some of it's being hardheaded, you know, it's like, I'm pretty determined in that way. It's like, if you tell me that I can't do something, it's more likely that I'm going to put more energy and effort into it like go ahead and lay it out on the table and tell me I can't do it. And we'll see where that goes. Um, I actually had a teacher my sophomore year in high school that sort of challenged me in that way because uh, it was, and I wasn't a great student, especially in high school. Um, I came off of, this is sort of, I haven't shared this a lot. So this is a little inside. Uh, but when I was in eighth, seventh or eighth grade, seventh grade, I suffered a pretty bad concussion and I didn't know it at the time, you know? And so I went through hell for a couple of years trying to just focus in the classroom. And ironically, no doctors or anybody really knew what was going on back in the day. Uh, you know, there were no MRIs, there was nothing then. And so uh, I just sort of suffered through it and I can re I got it in football you know, I was very small and I was playing football and I remember taking a hit head on helmet to helmet. And, uh, but I didn't really reflect on that until years later. And so my seventh and eighth grade year was sort of a blur, you know, then I get into high school and I, I felt like I was already behind, uh, the headaches weren't as bad and stuff, but it was still not great. And so I, I, I can remember, um, I was in a class and I was actually cutting weight, which that sort of was with part of the, the uh, problem with wrestling, not the good part of wrestling for sure. But I was cutting weight and I was feeling, you know, like crap sitting in a classroom. Teacher called me up afterwards and uh, said, Mike, you know, you're not paying attention in class. She was right about that. And then she basically called me out and said, you know, this wrestling is going to get you nowhere. She said, it's, it's mm -hmm. one of those, you know, you, you can you can, you're only going to probably do it while you're in high school. Uh, it, it, and, and your education is going to be with you for life. And she met, she intended well, right? Like I can't say that she wasn't right, 
but she phrased it in a way it's like, oh, wait a minute, this is wrestling has saved my life. It's given me something that as a small athlete, you know, I couldn't get in football, probably wasn't going to get in basketball or anything else. And I, I bought into that. And my high school coach had helped inspire that into my head that this, you can be something at this. And so now I've got another teacher that's telling me, Hey, you're not this, you, you need to get out. Like this isn't good for you. And so that challenge that she put out on the table, it's like, F you, I'm going to show you that that's not the case. And I'm going to, I'm doubling down. Like I, I will step it up in class, but I'm doubling down in the sport. And it just like lit a fire my sophomore year. And I went on qualified for state that year as a, as a sophomore and then was in the state finals my junior and senior year. So again, you know, those moments in reflection, like I said, a lot of times where people have challenged me, that that was it didn't take much to light that fire. And uh, it's like, I'll show you different. So that was sort of my nature, I think. And that's that's those were defining moments. The other few things I could say, maybe I don't want to drag it out too far, but um, I'm big on if I see results. I tend to continue to move forward, you know, um, not that I don't, you know, obstacles don't really bother me, but the minute that I can say that I feel like I'm moving the needle, it makes a big difference in how I approach things. Um, so, and my motivation tends to grow with that. Um, I'm not a big believer that you shouldn't quit either. I've heard, you know, there's countless books on never quit, never give up. You know, and to me, that's that sounds great. That's like that's that's what people want to hear. Don't give up. And it's like, no, dude, there's times to give up. There's times to change direction and recognizing the difference between quitting and maybe refocusing your energy in another place is, is really big. And so for me, I'm not embarrassed or afraid to quit things anymore if they're not serving me, if they're if I've grown from that experience. Maybe that was all it was. I was defined by that to say, hey, it's time to change and time to move on. And I'm okay with that. Um, so again, there's been several examples of that in my life as well. Yeah. So I mean, going back to your first point is like, you turned wrestling into a super successful career. Yeah. That's what gave you the drive for that. And if even if that was the only reason that that teacher said that to you was because that was going to be your destiny of becoming a wrestling coach. I mean, you're out of town all the time, I know, for different wrestling events. So you're still super engrossed in that world. Yeah, for sure. And and here's what's really interesting, Trisha, is that um, it was probably about my third year of coaching at Central Missouri State because I had already completed my um, my career as an athlete and then I was hired as a head coach, only two years removed from graduating from the university. I was an assistant for one year. The very next year, I became the head coach. So I was a very young, like 23, 24-year-old head coach at a D2 program. And I ran in to Dr. Betts at Central Missouri State. She went from my hometown of Higginsville as a teacher in the high school and then became a, a professor at Central Missouri State University. And I knew she was down there, but ironically, I hadn't run into her. Like, you know, Central Missouri is a pretty good-sized school, and 
I just never crossed paths with her. I, I thought that she was actually an adjunct teacher. I found out later she was a full professor. But so I happened to be in a grocery store one day and I ran into her and it was like, you know, she didn't look any different. She looked exactly the same. So I went up to her and I said, hi, hi Miss Betts, how you doing? Um, actually, I think I did say Dr. Betts. Um, I hope I did. And I said, how, was, how are things going? And she told me that, you know, hey, everything was great. Uh, you know, she had moved from Higginsville to teaching at, at uh, Central Missouri. And then she sort of paused and she said, you know, do you remember a conversation that we had years and years ago? And I thought, how in the hell is she going to remember that? I, it had a dramatic effect on me, but I had no idea that she would remember that conversation. And I said, um, yeah, I said, if we're talking about the same thing and you said something to me about wrestling and she goes, you know, she said, I didn't intend it to inspire you, but obviously it did. She said, I'm so proud of you that, you know, that you did and have done what you've done in the sport. And uh, I probably, she said, I probably made a mistake in saying those things, but if that had anything to do with your career, she goes, I feel really good about that. And I, you know, I sort of teared up. It's like, I, cause it was, when you have something that big in your back of your mind and it's sort of driven you for that long a time period from, I would have been like what, 15 years old, now being nearly 10 years later, being 23, 24 years old, you know, and, and had the impact that it had is like, it was pretty profound. So yeah. it was like, yeah, I do remember the conversation. Um, I took it as a challenge and, uh, you know, it is, it is what it is today. And she was, we smiled and sort of, that was the end of the conversation. So, but that was, that was sort of neat how that, all played out. Yeah. And I mean, that's another example of turning something that might not have felt so good at the time. You didn't suffer from it. You made it drive you to do something great in the future. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. Yep. And, you know, I think if everybody sort of like did a, you know, Adlerian psychological view of things, like what really happened to help put you in the place that you're at today, I can think of so many examples now that in the moment, I had no idea that they would either motivate me or demotivate me to help me be the person that I am today. And uh, that was one of those in reflection that really motivated me. So, uh, and I think it's good because in that self-reflection, and I tell people this too, like when you examine your own background, what are those antecedents that have led up to who you are today? Because we are truly, you know, the person we are today because of so many life experiences along with, you know, our evolution and everything else that's who we are, but our experiences are huge. And, 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 and some people, they really can tear people apart. You know, they can be, they can be looked at as the glass half full versus half empty. So. Absolutely. Okay. The last question is what is one action you take every day to get you closer to your dreams? Oh, wow. Um, as you know, we've talked about this before, um, but I'm a big morning person. Wouldn't tell you that my morning routine is exactly the same every day. There's elements of whatever I do pretty much every day, like uh, some reflection time, some journaling and things like that. 
and really investing, I would say, so the biggest thing is probably just the fact that I put a commitment into my morning ritual and making sure that I, I have some time to do those things that I would like to do to make me set up the rest of the day. Because if I don't get those things in, a lot of times my days can go wacky. Like, um, you know, you can't put the bow in your shoestrings without tying the knot first, right? Like there's no bow if you don't do that. So for me, I've got to, I've got to kind of put that knot in early and make sure that I've got everything lined up. And then the rest of the day tends to be a whole lot better. So there's an element of being grateful. There's an element of breath work. Usually, uh, probably five out of seven days I'm fasting in the morning. So breakfast is not really a big deal for me. And, uh, if it is, then it's, something of high protein and then I'm ready for the rest of the day. But if you ask me, you know, again, the question about what's most important, I would say getting a great start on the day is probably the most critical element in my in my life. Like if I can do those things, then I'll probably set up the rest of the day and it's going to be successful. Yep. I love that. What time do you get up every morning? Uh, that does change because I'm a little screwed up now. I was in Vegas this past weekend. And it's like, um, I did something that I haven't done in a long, long time. I never went to bed and it wasn't because I was out on the town. I did not go now one day, one day, not two days or three days. I did not go to bed, uh, on my return because like a big dummy, I scheduled my return flight for 8 PM Sunday, as opposed to 8 AM Sunday made a big mm. mistake. The only way for me to get back yesterday at a decent time was to stay up through the night, put myself on standby at 12.01 in the morning. And then the flight that I was going to try to catch was at 6 a.m. So I had to be up anyway at 4 a.m. to uh, catch my Uber and then be at the airport a good hour ahead of time. So I never went to bed and I hate doing that because I know that I'll pay for it. Yesterday, I mean, without sleep, I was worthless. You know, I got through the day, I was a bit of a zombie. Um, I was pissed off at the Chiefs. So it was just one of those things. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that was that was sort of like, you know what, if I don't have my opportunity to get my rest, and if I don't, it used to be, I, I, I'll share this. I used to think that I would wear busy as a badge of honor. Like if I'm busy, then by God, I'm, I'm doing something. And I no longer look at it that way that now I really re appreciate recovery, restoration, that whole element of health and wellness is where I've spent a lot of my time and working with people about how important that is so that you, you are more efficient, you're healthier. So that investment in my sleep is important. So I re I fully felt it yesterday, just not having the opportunity to sleep the day before and uh, paid that price. And on the backside, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I came down with, you know, a cold or something in another couple of days, because I know the importance of that and uh, of getting rest and recovery. So I'm kind of taking some precautions on that, just making sure that I do everything I can 
to build back my immune system over the course of this next week. Very nice. Yeah, I get sick if I don't sleep and I am super cranky if I don't sleep. So I totally understand that. So, um, but thank you so much for coming on today. And I would love to check back in and I don't know, six months, year, celebrate you for the wins that you've had this year and figure out how much closer you are to your dreams um, and making those come true. And thank you for like, I think it's super cool that you came on and didn't even know what the questions were going to be. That could be really intimidating and really scary, especially because you know how like we know each other pretty well. So those questions, you just don't know. So it's awesome that you came on and didn't know you trusted me enough that I wasn't going to send you some wacky, wacky questions, you know? So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Trisha. And, and, you know, good luck with your endeavors. And, you know, I know that anybody that is associated with you, they're going to, they're going to be inspired. They're going to learn things from you as well. So um, I'm really excited for what you're doing and continuing to grow your business and helping others do the same thing. So appreciation goes both ways. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I will talk to you soon. You bet.